0: My name is uh, Vic Alvarado, I'm one of the pastors here at Mission Church, and so glad that you've come to worship with us today. If you're a guest among us, we are so thrilled that you've chosen to worship the Lord with us this morning on the last Sunday of the year, last Sunday of the decade, and uh, I hope that you sense the warmth of the people around you, and I pray that you sense the warmth of God's Spirit all over you, and uh, I pray that uh, God will say something very Special and specific, just for you today, Pastor Tony and heidi are are away just t- taking some uh, personal time and just uh, be with each other and so they send their blessing to you and uh, they 're praying for you they 're thinking of you even as we are are praying and thinking of them this morning in just a moment we're going to uh, we 're going to look at uh, Joshua chapter four. And uh, this being the last Sunday of the year, in the foyer, I just want to make a quick announcement. Uh, in the foyer, you will find a little pamphlet like this on the wall. What is this? This is basically a daily reading plan. Uh, if you've never read through the scripture uh, in a year, this, this is an excellent little tool. You probably have it on your app on the phone already. I know that. But for those of us who are old school, we kind of like to check it off, you know. So this is just a a, a simple little tool to put in your Bible and for you just to read throughout the year God's word, God's wisdom, God's counsel. And uh, I hope that you will do that. If you haven't done that, um, it's amazing the way God speaks to us. I've been reading through Scripture, through the Scriptures for many years. And every year I go through the same thing. I look at my notes in my Bible and I think, man, I, I can't. This is, I've read this before countless times, but this day, God says something different to me. I hope that you will do that as we begin, as we think about the new year. It is the the last Sunday of this decade, and it's really a a good opportunity to look back and to look forward, look ahead. And in a moment, we're going to read Joshua chapter four, but before we look at scripture this morning, I, I want, I want you to take you back in time, perhaps, uh, a long time before uh, the internet. Remember, uh, remember when there were only two types of sneakers? There were only two types. There was one type for the girls, there were kids, and there was one type for the boys, there were PF flyers. And the only time you wore sneakers was at school during gym. The only time. Remember, remember when it took five minutes for your TV to warm up, if you had a TV. Remember when, uh, remember when a quarter was a decent allowance, and if you had two quarters to rub, man, you were rich. As, as a little guy, my dad would send me to. Uh, my dad mustered enough uh, pennies to buy a. A, a gas-powered lawnmower. And before that, he was using the push mower, you know? And he says, I, he gave me a gas can and a quarter. He says, I want you to go down to the, the gas station a, a half a block away, and I want you to buy me a, gas, uh, a gallon of gas. Here's a quarter. <laughs> if I was smart enough, I would go fill up the gas can with 24 cents, and then I would walk across the street to the liquor store, and I would buy, with one penny, two bazooka gums. I think a bazooka gum now costs about 15 cents a piece. Remember, uh, remember when your male teachers wore neckties, and your female teachers all had their hair done. Remember when you pulled into the gas station and the attendant cleaned your windshield, he checked your oil, he pumped your gas, he checked your tire pressure. And without asking, all for free, every single time you pulled in there. And not only that, before you left, they gave you, what did they give you? Green stamps. stamps. (laughs) I don't have a clue what you did with those stamps, but you got a prize. Remember when, uh, remember when laundry detergent had free glasses and dishes or towels hidden inside the box? Really? 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 Remember when, uh, any parent could discipline any kid and use him to carry groceries or, and nobody, not even the kid, thought it was, it was anything unusual. Today you can't even, Teachers, you can't even talk to your students without getting in trouble, huh? Remember when it was considered a great privilege to be taken out to dinner at a real restaurant with your parents? It was a big deal. I took my uh, daughter and my wife and my brother and his wife out to dinner this last uh, Friday night. Nice restaurant. It was packed full of kids running around, you thought you were at McDonald's or something nothing wrong with that, it's just different times are different remember when, when being sent to the principal's office was uh, was nothing compared to the fate that awaited you when you got home, we were in fear for our lives because our, our, our parents were just a, a bit merciless, you know in fact when you think about it when I think about it, I, I kind of get this nervous tick you know Oh, I don't want to go home. I'd rather sit in your office, principal. Remember, uh, remember when the Padres went to the World Series and the Chargers were in San Diego? <laughs> Seriously, though, there is something, there is something good about remembering. There's something good about looking back and, and, and retelling some stories that happened long ago, and thinking about memories that, that bring back this rush. Even some of the, even some of the, I know for most of you who are in here or younger, you couldn't relate to any of the remembering things that I just mentioned. But for those of us who could remember, man, it takes us back. Yeah, So happened so long ago. This morning, we're going to remember, we're going to remember, and and, and I hope and I pray that the Spirit of God would, would capture your heart just for a moment, and that you would allow the soil of your soul to be fertile enough for the Spirit of God to say something very specific to you today. I'm glad the kids are in the room, and I hope that... I, I won't talk over your heads, but I hope that you'll follow along as we look at at uh, Scripture this morning. And in Joshua chapter 4, we hear of a memorial that was erected to help the nation of Israel remember when God did something amazing. But before we look at Joshua chapter 4, I want, I want us to come back and understand the backstory of Joshua chapter 4. In Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 34... Uh, Moses meets with God for the very last time, and he climbs up. He climbs up the mountain Mount Nebo, Pisgah peak, which stands almost fifty eight hundred feet in the in the air. He meets God up there, and they have this long conversation, last conversation. And God says, "I brought, I brought you up here because I want you to see everything that I've promised my children, the land that they would inhabit." And so Moses got this panoramic view of the promised land, all the way down to the Mediterranean Sea. Moses was 120 years old when they had this conversation. Scripture tells us there in Deuteronomy 34 that his eyesight was perfect, was clear, and he was stronger than ever. 120 years old, climbing up 5800 square feet. Moses died. Moses died shortly after that conversation. The scripture tells us that God himself buried Mo- Moses in the valley of Moab. Somewhere. Somewhere. Following that, in Joshua chapter one, we see that God had a conversation with Joshua, the new leader of his of his people. And God went to Joshua and says, "You're the man. My servant Moses is dead. You're the one. You're the anointed one. My favor is all over you. But remember this: be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified." For wherever you go, I am there. I will be with you. Only keep the commandments. And my favor will never leave you. After the conversation, Joshua went and he selected the men in in the nation of Israel. He says, hey, in three days, we're going to go over the the Jordan River and we'll possess the land, the promise that God has given to us. In three days, go speak to the people to make provisions and get ready. Because in three days we're going. The man, after listening to that, says, Joshua, we believe you, and we will serve you wholeheartedly like we serve Moses. In Joshua chapter 2, Joshua sends two spies over to the new land, to Jericho. The spies get there and the, and the, uh, just to check out what was going on. And the king of Jericho, the, the city of Palms, found out that there were spies. There was a rumor that there were spies from the nation of Israel among them. And so, and so the spies hid in the home of Rahab, the prostitute. They came searching for them. They searched in her house and they said, Where are these men? I don't know. They were here, but they're gone now. And so they, they went searching for the men. The men men said, Hey, we are going to, uh, we're going to remember this. And she goes, Will you remember me? Will you remember my family? Will you make a covenant with me right now that when you come over to possess this land, that you will remember me and my family and you will not harm us for the gift that I've given to you in safety? He says, We make a promise to you today that we will do that. And she says, By the way, The people here in Jericho have heard about your God. They have heard about you and your people. And we are absolutely terrified. The spies made it back over to the Jordan River, went and sent word to Joshua and said, Hey, we've been over. Guess what? These people are scared to death. They are scared to death. Day three came along, and they were getting ready to cross the Jordan River, and they said, perfect, the priest, Joshua summoned the priest, he says, I want you to go and, and I want you to prepare the Ark of the Covenant. In Joshua chapter 3, the Ark of the Covenant is mentioned 11 times. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant represents the, the presence of God, the presence and the power of God. The priests were specifically instructed not to touch the Ark of the Covenant with their hands and so they would slide poles on the sides of the Ark and they, and they would carry the Ark wherever they went with these poles. He says, when I give you the, when I give you the signal, I want you to step into the river. Don't go into the river, just step into the river. And God will provide a miracle for us to get through. The other thing they also, the people needed to know is that, you know, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, don't go near it. In fact, they were told it was a, it was, it was a command that they should not go by the Ark of the Covenant any more than a half mile away. They had to stay at a distance a half mile away. That's like from here to the Grantville station, trolley station. They had to be that far away from the, from the Ark of the Covenant at all times, at all times. And so at a distance, they saw, Joshua says, go go into the river now. The, the priest went to the river. They stepped in, and at that moment, the river ceased to flow. The river flowed west to the Mediterranean Sea, and north of that, it began to recede. Eighteen miles upstream, the Jordan River was dammed up and it wasn't a little trickle it was the harvest it was the early harvest season and the and the river was flowing its banks overflowing its banks and so this was a miraculous intervention of god as the, as the river receded the priests would make their way into the middle of the river that's where Joshua chapter 4 picks up listen to what The Scriptures say, When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest's feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed the men from each tribe, and Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take up each of you a stone upon its shoulder, according to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, that this may be a sign among you, when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them, that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it passes over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off so that these stones shall be to the people of Israel immemorial memorial forever. And the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded, and they took up twelve stones out of the number of the tribes of the people of Israel. And just as the Lord told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there, and Joshua set up twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan, a place, for, and, and place where the, there were the feet of the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant had stood. And they are there to this day. For the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished, that the Lord commanded Joshua to tell the people according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua. And the people passed over in haste. And when all the people had finished passing over, the ark of the Lord and the priests passed over before the people. The sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel. As Moses had told them, about 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle to the plains of Jericho. On that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him, just as they stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priests bearing the ark of the testimony, to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, Come out of the Jordan, and when the priests came, bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord, came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soul's Of their feet, the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground. The waters of the Jordan returned to their place and overflowed all its banks as before. The people came out of the Jordan Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know that Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the rivers of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did in, in the Red Sea. To the Red Sea, when the, he d- dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Joshua chapter 4 talks about the Hebrews setting up these stones to mark God's leading them across the Jordan River into the promised land. And these are, these, these, these kinds of spiritual markers are important to the relationship with us even today. My prayer this morning is that, is that the Spirit of God will use this message to inspire us to make sure that those closest to us know who God is and know what God has done in our lives. Spiritual markers not only declare our faith in God, but they ask Him, please, please do it again. So let's look at why why spiritual markers matter. Write this down. They remind us of the power of God. In the case of Joshua 4.22, the, the markers were a reminder that, that Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. God did not merely slow slow the Jordan to a trickle during the time of drought. Rather, he rolled back the waters 18 miles upstream to the city of Adam. During the early harvest, when the rivers was swollen and swollen from the, the spring uh, spring snow and the and rains. The crossing of the Jordan was similar to the crossing of the Red Sea, as indicated in chapter four twenty-three. The powerful miracle was so effective in both cases that the Israelites crossed over to the other side on dry ground. You see, our spiritual markers too takes us back to times, moments in our seasons when God's care and God's power were most evident in our lives. Second, spiritual markers matter because they give us confidence. They they give us confidence to face today's battles. When we remember that God has always come through for us, it's easier to trust Him. To live in confidence in today's struggle. In fact, we need those reminders to keep us Focused on God. The miraculous event and that power of God provided to the Israelites was living proof to the fact that he was with them. He was always with them. He would never leave them. And these wonderful acts testified to God's glorious presence among them. God himself was working on their behalf. And that gave the people confidence. The same can be true for us. When we acknowledge God's power and presence, he gives us confidence to face life and to face any struggles, to face any challenges or any questions that we may have. The third spiritual marker matters because they give our loved ones confidence to fight tomorrow's battles as well. That's why Joshua describes the markers in terms of, of a question from loved ones, specifically children. Joshua 4, 6 says, That they may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, What do these stones mean to you? The term sign in verse 6 can, can, can mean miracle like, they, like it did in Exodus chapter 7, verse 3. But here it means memorial marker. Sign, a memorial marker. And the, the same idea is found in instruction in Exodus chapter 12, verses 13 and 14 for celebrating the Passover meal. And in the, the instruction in Exodus 13, verses 8 and 9 for celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread, there was significance in that. These observations were signs to the Israelites and their loved ones that God had miraculously delivered them out of Egypt. That these stones out of the Jordan River would stimulate questions in their children in the same way that the Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, meant. What does this mean? It would give the parents and the grandparents and the siblings to say, let me tell you what happened here. Let me tell you what God did. Let me tell you who God is. You see, our personal stories of how God's power, presence, and promises came through for us, inspires our loved ones, our children, our grandchildren to, to trust God themselves. Fourth, write this down. Spiritual markers matter because they give witness to the mighty hand of God. And Joshua 4.24 reminds us, God controlled the waters so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Again, the miracle was performed for a greater purpose than merely getting the the Israelites across to the other side. In fact, if you do a study of this passage of Scripture, you will know that God broke all the rules when it comes to science. Why? Because he can do that. He rolled back the water 18 miles and dammed it up, causing the ground in the river to dry up Dry ground. <laughs> Why? Because when God performs a miracle, it's not only just to assist us, He loves to do that. When God performs a miracle or does something amazing in our lives, He's telling us, This is who I am. This is who I am. And I'm here to help you. Why are you trying to help yourself? When you've got the creator of the universe at your disposal, and all you have to do is ask. It gives witness to the mighty hand of God. Here's the truth. The world most takes note of our faith, not when we're standing on a mountain victorious, but when we realize God's mighty strength in the impossible world. The world notices. They notice when when something improbable happens in our lives. That shouldn't have happened. You're right, it should not have happened, but it did because of who God is. That's why it happened. So here are some marker questions to ask ourselves as we wrap up. What are the spiritual markers in your life? What about your conversion experience? Do you remember that? that moment when you gave your life to Jesus Christ? When you realized for the first time, you said, man, Jesus died for my sin so that I wouldn't have to bear the brunt of the guilt of my sin. Do you have a story? Was there ever a moment? Do you remember that moment? You know who he needs to hear about that moment? Everybody that you know. about your baptism, that moment when you decided to tell your friends and your family and all the world in your baptism, I am all in. I have died with Christ and I am raised with Him to life. My life is no longer my own. It belongs to Jesus Christ. Everything I do, all the decisions I make, are in consultation with His Spirit. That's what baptism means. you have a spiritual marker about your call to ministry. Some of you may be saying, "Well, I'm not, you know, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not a pastor. I'm not one of those pastor types. I'm not a call." You know what? Every one of you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you've given your heart to Jesus, he's saved your life for you to be his minister. It doesn't matter where you work. It doesn't matter what your career is. It doesn't matter where you go to school. It doesn't matter what sports you play. Wherever you are, you have a calling of God to to live out the gifts that He has given to you. Every one of you has spiritual gifts. Do you know what your call is? People around you need to hear that. How about your marriage? The most important question that couples have to ask is, is this person going to exalt my relationship with God in my life? Are they going to exponentially grow my love for Jesus? That's the number one question every couple who's thinking about getting serious, who's thinking about getting married, should ask. Why? Because marriage is a covenant not only between your spouse, but it is a covenant between you and God. And if you're not asking the question, is this person going to exalt my relationship with God in me? Then chances are, you better quit. Stop. Date somebody else. Because I guarantee you, and there are many people in this room that know this more true than I do, that if that is not the number one question, question that you ask before you get married you are in for a life of misery that is a spiritual marker your marriage your marriage is all about god it's not about you by the way it's all about god about a time when god clearly answered a long-term prayer when it seemed like there was no way god was hearing or listening but god finally came through that's a spiritual marker about a difficult experience that only that only the grace of God kept you going. <laughs> those times, those seasons in life when it seemed like there was no way, there was no breakthrough, there was this huge wall in my way, and all of a sudden God just blew that wall open. It was like, wow, that is a breakthrough. That is a spiritual marker. If you were to draw out your spiritual markers on, on a timeline, what would they be? A second marker question to ask is, how many of my friends know your markers? How many of your friends know your markers? I fear that while we might, uh, might list some of the spiritual markers in our lives, we've so kept them to ourselves that even our closest friends aren't aware of God's past or present activities in our lives. Just simply ask yourself this question. Think about the closest people to you. Okay? Closest friends. You got them, you know them, you know them by heart, you know them, the name. How often do you spend talking about the spiritual markers in your life? A couple weeks ago, a couple of men, a couple of us in the church here, a couple of men had a Bible study, and we, we started talking about these prophetic words that God has given to us. Those moments, those spiritual markers. And as we started to talk about some of those things, there was was this inspiring thing about sharing testimony. We don't do that anymore. Remember, Remember when we used to come to church on Sunday night? And all we did was sing praises to God and listen to stories of God's miraculous dealings in our lives. Third question, does your family know your markers? I've met many parents and grandparents who have not made it their priority to talk to their family about what God has done. Maybe they do church together, but they seldom talk about the mighty ways God has come through for them. Their own children don't even know their salvation story. the, the, the don't, children don't even know when they were baptized. The children don't even know the, 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 the lessons that they, God taught them in tough times. Why they even got married. <laughs> their faith, at least as far as, far as the family members are concerned, is markerless. Several years ago, we were, Darcy and I were in a season of just waiting on God. It was one of those seasons where it's like, okay, God, if you don't come through, <laughs> this is not going to happen. It wasn't, our, our marriage was as strong as ever. Our relationship with God was as strong as ever, but everything else was kind of in shambles, to be honest. With you. Our, our son Logan was about uh, six months old, six, seven, eight months old. And we found out that uh, my sweet Darcy was pregnant. He said, oh, no, this is not right. This is not the right time, God. Come on, what are you doing? He says, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. Throughout that entire season, about a year, God was leading us. God was providing. God was protecting. God was giving us, reassuring us of his promises. When it came to name our child, we picked out some names and we decided to name our daughter who's sitting here with her mom Victoria Hope it was in that season that the only thing we could hear was hope in me put your hope in me so when this little one came out it was like we know her name Her name is Hope, Victorious Hope, because that's what we lived over and over and over and over again. Does your family know your markers? You see, spiritual markers matter. God is challenging us as as we look towards 2020 to tell somebody about the marker events in your relationship and your journey with him. There would be uh, many, many, many times after this miraculous event on the Jordan River when the people of Israel would would revisit their spiritual marker, this monument. The time when God came through for them in, in a big, big way. The Almighty God knew that they needed a memorial to remind them that the same God who called them was still at work on their behalf. In fact, not long after they crossed the Jordan River... In Joshua chapter six, they needed to be reassured that this was God's idea to get them over to the promised land. And they came across the, Jordan, the, the, the city of Jericho, fortified walls all the way around it. And God says, "I want you to take the city." <laughs> he said, well, "What? I want you to take the city." Can you imagine them going back to their camp? And seeing the monument, and he said, "If God could redirect the stream of the of the river, 18 miles upstream, this wall is nothing. This wall is nothing. You know the story. They didn't even have to lift a finger or touch the wall. All they had to do was obey and walk around it and worship. And finally, when it was time to blow the trumpets." The walls came down. Why? Because that's, who's God. that's who God is. He does that all the time. All the time? All the time. Perhaps you're there right now. You're at your Jericho. And you're asking the Lord God, to Do it again. Do it again. It seems that, that you, as you're entering 2020, that, that there are more questions than answers. Maybe your circumstances seem like an impossible, impassable river, or a great wall, or unscalable mountain, a desolate wilderness, all standing before you, before your health, before your relationships, before your career, before your dreams. This, the, this is, this monster is in your way. And your prayer to God this morning is, Lord, you've come through before. Please do it again. Do it again. Will you allow the lyrics of this song to declare the prayer of your heart this morning and allow the Spirit of God to speak to you Maybe you're there this morning. Maybe you're on the other side of the Jordan theoretically. And you're saying, oh, "How is this going to happen?" Allow the spirit of God to minister to your heart. And if you like to come and pray, you can do that. But allow these next 6 minutes or so to just uh, to be between you and the Lord.